Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome back. Episode number seven is coming at you. This week we've got Caleb Carl White, a hometown friend of mine from Piedmont slash Easley, South Carolina. And Caleb is the campus pastor at New Spring Church in Rock Hill. And this guy has come so far in his life with his personal development. And I am truly inspired by what he's done, how far he's come. And I just wanted to get his story to be able to share it with all of you guys. We have a lot of fun during this time. So kick back, relax, and uh, let me introduce you to Mr. Caleb Carl White. Yeah. Caleb. Yes. Easley, South Carolina. Pelzer, technically. Pelzer. <laughs> Even smaller than Easley, if that's uh, You and I both grew up together. The Caleb I remember, and it's so crazy sitting in front of you now, the Caleb I remember was this fiery red-haired kid yep. who played on my brother's soccer team yep. and was spent yelling, running around, going nuts, kicking people, <laughs> kind of vivacious attitude for life, super aggressive. Yeah. Now I sit in front of you, the campus... Pastor, pastor right. at Rock Hill New yep. Spring Church. Yep. That's a bit of an evolution. And oh, it's really cool to see it. So tell me tell me a little bit about your experience because we both have different experience varying yeah. experiences of Easley and Pelzer, South Carolina. Yeah. Tell me what it was like for you growing up there. Well, first off, if you're listening uh, on the podcast, don't ask Siri where Pelzer is because <laughs> she has no idea. <laughs> And uh, by the time you find it on Google, you've already passed it. So it's really not even worth it. I think there's probably five or 600 other people that live there. And most of them are my family. Gotcha. So, uh, so yeah, you know, I think growing up in a small town, it has its pros and cons, right? Like it's so cliche. You have every country song or pop song about wanting to just get out of this small town. Sure. And that's in every, I think in most people that have any kind of vision or dream or hope for their life is they feel like they're in this small pond where there's not a ton of opportunity and it's always been a certain way. It's going to kind of always be a certain way. And if I'm going to be anything else, I got to get out of this network of people. And I think part of that's healthy, but I think the good parts about growing up in a small town are, you know, the the saying it takes a village to raise a kid, right? Meaning it's not just my parents effort or your parents. effort. It's like all of us together. And I can't tell you how many parents in the community I was like spanked by (laughs) as a kid, you know, whether it's a soccer coach or whether it was just a, a best friend's mom or dad that I was at his house for a couple of weeks and I was acting stupid. And, and I think what happens is, as you grow up in that culture, you take responsibility for the community. Okay. You know, it, it becomes a, uh, there's a certain pride that goes into uh, this small town because in a lot of ways, you know, we're products of that, not of that place, but of the culture that's built there. And so you feel responsibility to create that culture, to build that culture. And that mentality, I think, has stayed with me in whatever community I've lived in since. I love that. I, I always feel as though I've never met a stranger. I do not have right. a problem running right. into an individual and having a conversation. When I was living in Vancouver, however, it was so awkward. I, ne- I always remember <laughs> how I would stand in an elevator with a Canadian. Right. Uh, it's not just a Vancouverite. Everywhere sure. in Canada, you know, I'm from, e- we're from Easley, right. we're from Pelzer. Right. Someone walks into your space. Hey man, what's up? Yeah, right. How are How you? How you doing? Right. Right. They don't have the culture of speaking to strangers as much. Right. And it was so hard for me getting there to have empty, silent elevator rides. Oh, man. I oh, can't, it no. crushes me every time. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny for you too. I mean, you moved from the bottom southeastern conservative part of the United States to, you know, far and away 
Pacific. I mean, one of the most diverse. Yeah, one of the most. And and you know, Vancouver is a beautiful. I tell people all the time, it's the most beautiful place I've ever been to. I tell people all the time, like you've got to save up and go to Vancouver because it doesn't matter if you're just having lunch or if you're going. I mean, there's everything there. You got to go. It's beautiful. It is, but it's a totally different world. Oh, it's an it's an entirely different world, and I'm so blessed to have had the experience for seven beautiful years to move in and out of that city and experience it. And I mean, I was highly impressionable. Right. During that time. And, sure. it, and it changed my life. And, and I am a product of that city. Yeah. No doubt. So I remember so much about you. Skateboarder. Yeah. Soccer player. <laughs> musician. Yeah. Yep. You had so many cool ways that you showed your artistic ability and it, and it yep. manifested itself in so many different ways. How did you find music yeah. in, in a small town? Was that your escape from something? I think for me, it's developed. It wasn't always music. It wasn't always soccer. It wasn't always skateboarding. For me, I, I'm such a people person. Like I'm a maximum extrovert. I'm always want to be around people. They energize me. I love connecting. I love just meeting people. And I think, you know, when you grow up, everybody has the potential for bias, meaning they have the potential to look at a certain group of people and, and make assumptions about them. Whether it's people that grew up in a different neighborhood or grew up doing something different than you. You know, if you're not a skateboarder, skateboarders have a certain reputation. Right. And if you're a soccer player, the football players think a certain thing about you, at least in a small town. Sure. And you grow up with a potential for bias. So I think for me, I learned that on the other side of that bias is a human. Okay. Just like me. Yeah. And for me to really connect and for me to really be able to connect with people and not biases, what I have to do is I have to get in that world. So I got in the world of skateboarding and I, you know, I skated and some of my best friends were skateboarders and I saw, I got past the bias and realized, man, these guys are awesome. There's awesome people here. And then, you know, you're, you're on the soccer team and the next thing you know, you're in the football locker room, which right. I did in high school. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing, man, everybody's putting up this front and has this bias towards certain things, but it's just a person. Yeah. And you play, you know, you get into the music world. Nice to think, cause I was kind of the jock for a little while in high school. Sure. And then I took this creative writing class and they were the kids in school that like you probably weren't going to sit beside at lunch. You know what I mean? Because they're just a little strange. They're kind of standoffish. You're not really sure like how to connect. It's kind of awkward for them. But you get in their world in this creative art kind of place. And I'm realizing the things that I love about playing sports, things that I love about skateboarding are the things that these people love about music or whatever it is. And so how awesome is that? We're we're all the same. Yeah. Yeah. We just like different things. We're way more similar than we want to pretend like we are. Absolutely. And social media gives us that divide. Oh my gosh. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And if you only lived on social media or you were basing, let's say you lived in another country and you were basing your perception of America off of social media, you would assume that we're the most divided like just frustrated at each other, people in the world. And then you sure. come here and you're like, wait, these people are sitting beside each other at Starbucks tweeting this about each other. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, it's such a strange, it's such a strange world. It strange is, world. It, it, it is developing. And I, you know, I refuse to call it strange at the moment. I, I, I would call it more of rapidly progressing. Okay. And, and it's progressing in a way that no one anticipated. Right. So the change is uncomfortable, but I feel like society is starting to figure out how to catch up to it and use it as a tool and manipulate it in a way for an advantage instead of a disadvantage. That's yeah. my positive spin that I'll put on it, but it can be dangerous. Sure. It can be social media. It can be dangerous. So you, you, you started to rub shoulders with all of these individuals who didn't look like you, mm-hmm. didn't talk like you, didn't yeah. play sports as well as you, but you guys were speaking something similar. Yeah. How did they change your life? Well, everybody has a story. 
you know, that's something that you and I talked about when we had lunch was when you get down to the rawest, realest part of everybody, everybody has a story. Sure. They have a reason that they think the way they think. They have a reason that they feel the things that they feel. There's always a connection somewhere that you can make with everybody. Right. And I think it started to change my life when I realized that that arrogance will keep me, if I choose to, it will keep me from learning from everybody that I come into contact with or from being affected. You know, people say, like, you need to go through something, but don't let it change you. Sure. I'm kind of under the impression that you need to wear a little bit of everything you've ever been through on you. I love right? that. It shows that, you know, I, yes, I was there. I went through this. I learned from this. I grew from this. I'm proud of this. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, if I could go back and do it differently, might I maybe sure. would, but I can't. So, and I think when you learn that about everybody, it just really starts to move you. Yeah. I'm of the belief system that entanglement is real and all right. of the people that you meet and all the experiences that you have in this life and in this human experience They never leave you. I like to say there's a bubble that surrounds you. And in that bubble are all the experiences flying around you, right? Metaphorically, obviously. Right. And you have two ways to really interpret every experience and every person that you meet. It's either positive or negative. Right. Yeah. And it's all based off of what you choose, how you choose to look at it. Exactly. It's all in perception and interpretation, right? So in this bubble, there are all your experiences, all the people, the six degrees of separation, you know, and depending upon how you view your experiences, good, bad, or indifferent, is what will make up your bubble and right. what will make up your mindset. Um, so I'd really like to hear that you take a little bit of everyone that you've met, every experience that you've had, and you eat the fish and leave the bones. Bingo. So that must be why you have gotten to the point you've gotten, but let's not get there yet. Okay. All right. Campus okay. pastor. All right. I'm starting to see the story unfold, but we've got to bridge the gap here. Yeah. Yeah. You graduated high school. Yep. And a big thing in the South is graduate high school, get your degree, get a nine to five, a 401k, a pension, comfort, stability, wife at 22. Then start procreating. Hey, man. (laughs) Tell me. Yeah. Did you uh, Um, you abide by that? What happened next? Well, I always loved, I, I didn't love school always. I always loved learning. Okay. So there's parts of that that you can do in school, you know, when you're given the opportunity to you're mandated a book, but what you have is the opportunity to really learn, okay. to really grow. Now, some of the books are just for curriculum sake and they're just yeah. worthless, but yeah, some yeah. of them, you know, some of the books growing up you read like really affect you. Okay. And I remember growing up and loving learning, not loving the structured format of school. I'm very ADD. Struggle you and so, I both. Yeah. I, I'm tapping my foot and yes, moving my always, hands I'm as I'm talking wiggling. to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I struggle with an eight hours sitting in a classroom, you telling me what I need to know. Sure. But I always did well in school because I always found something that I love to learn and, and go do it. And so I got to the end of high school and I had found, and I don't want to jump too far ahead in the story yet because we'll get there to it, but I'd found something that I really felt compelled to give my life to Okay. and to really put a ton of work and energy and effort into learning and improving. And so I, what I did was I graduated high school on a Saturday and the next Monday morning I was at, I was, I showed up to work and I said, uh, you know, put me to work. I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Cool. So where was that? It was actually, yeah, it was at New Spring Church, the place that I work at now. So, okay. Yeah. So, so you graduating high school, yeah. not necessarily as a 17, 18 year old kid, right. have the gall to go walk up to a church right. or to any job and say, Hey, Hey, I need a job. I need a job. Can right. you give me a job? Yeah. 
Was that a product of your own decision? Have you always been courageous and brave in that regard? Or well, I did was, you have... I, I was, a, you know, I had been incredibly fortunate. A lot of the people at the church had been really making a massive impact on my life for years and okay. years and years. And so I think it was more of a decision to want to give back to what had so radically changed me. Okay. So it was less of a, hey, I want to show up. I need you to give me a job and more of a, can I help around here? Can uh, I do anything so around here? So you were here? coming from a place of service, not a yeah. place of oh, greed. Oh man, yeah. I mean, seriously, some of the, the people that I was working with and still are to this day were like, in my brain, the pinnacle of humanity. Yeah. You know, just how much they had sacrificed for me and how much they had done for me and how many late nights they had spent up on the phone talking to me or at the church teaching me different musical things or walking through whatever and you know that I had questions about in my own personal life. And because of that, I think it was less about what I was doing and more about why I wanted to do this so badly. I'm learning so much in business as I as I step out and become an entrepreneur that every business has to start with the why. Um, Bingo. And I think that goes back to the human purpose as well. Why yeah. am I here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What am I meant to do? You found that in high school, yeah. out, right out of high school. Were you living at home with, with, with the fam? Yeah, living or, at home with the fam. Yeah. Um, it, it came to my dad. and uh, So it wasn't like, hey, uh, Caleb, you're not going to school. You're not doing what we want you to do, but you can still live here. No. Yeah, well, I have, I have really awesome parents. Awesome. Really, really great relationship with my parents. They're, they're very supportive, always have been really great people. But my dad was less concerned about me making the college decision and more about me making the grow-up decision. Whatever, whatever format that looked like for me, my mom was obviously very supportive. So I sat down and told him, you know, Dad, I don't think I'm going to go to college. I know I'd kind of thrown around the idea of going to play soccer or going to do something with music or something like that. And I think I've found something I want to kind of invest in and right. told him about the church. And he said, well, that's awesome, but you're not going to live here. You still got to move out. So, oh. so which at the you time seemed Luke harsh. You came kick and you were yeah, out the door. Yeah. Which is such a huge blessing. Such a blessing. I, I have found... As hard as it is in the beginning when that happens because the pressure comes, yeah. it always ends up being a great life decision oh, yeah. that was made for you. For sure. Made for, for you. Sure. It's hard to understand that yeah. at that point in time. So I, had, I heard a teacher one time, he told me that a, uh, speaking specifically about young men having a lot of responsibility at an early age, sure. he said, you know, a truck will drive straighter with a load. You, you weigh it down. Wow. You weigh it down, it's harder for it to, to go off the road. Mm. And I remember thinking... You know, here I am, 18 years old. I don't have any money. I'm working whatever jobs I can find to pay rent and eat ramen and whatever. So you, you, you've eaten ramen too. Oh man, peanut butter I, jelly I invented, diet. I've had plenty of those. Oh dude, I invented something when I was in that season called a hot dog quesadilla because <laughs> you could go because <laughs> you could go to Sam's and buy a pack of like a hundred hot dogs and that you could trade them like whatever you had sitting in your car for it. It was yeah. so cheap. Yeah. And I'd get that in a big bag. I go to the, like the Mexican grocery store and get a big bag of tortillas for right. nothing and make hot dog quesadillas. Oh, that actually sounds pretty good. Dude, we'll make one. Sriracha make sauce on that? Yeah, oh, yeah, mean, sriracha. Love it. I oh, put it on everything. I'm actually kind of hungry now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so... You're at this point where you've just started with New Spring. Yep. You're you're grinding. You're yep. in graft mode for all my all my European friends. An absolute <laughs> grafter, mate. You know, graft. just working, clawing, okay. climbing. Yeah. And there's a lot of tension for me when I'm grafting. Uh, am I doing this right? Right. Uh, am I making an impact? Am I doing enough? How? Where am I going next? Did you struggle 
with worries like financial worries. Am I making enough? Is you know because you're taught in the society right. that you need money, <laughs> you need to set up a life for yourself. I worry about that every day. Sure. Did you and do you worry about those things? Yeah. Um, well, money is a good thing. First off, sure. You know, a tool. Prim- primarily, I-, I say money is a great employee and a terrible boss. Okay. So money, when it is, uh, when it exists to serve the purpose that you have given it, is great. You can do a lot of really awesome things with money. When money or resources is driving you, you're just going to be so miserable. Yeah. You know, I've seen that so many times with friends that it's all about money. And and with me, you know, nobody goes into ministry for money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they did, yeah. they just they had a very inappropriate, incorrect idea of what ministry was. Right. But part of the faith that when you go into ministry is you believe, and this is something that God did in my heart early on. You just believe if God called me to this, then if it, whatever it takes to actually execute this, he's got to, he's got to bring in, you know, he's got to do it. And that is easy to believe when you're 18 and you only have like a couple hundred bucks a month in bills and yeah. it doesn't really matter. You know, you're driving a little beater car around that if it goes down, you just ride a bike, you know, so whatever. Now when that I'm a little older and I have a wife and a son, it takes a little bit more gusto not to execute, but to believe that. Sure. Know, to believe that, hey, I'm still doing what God's to calling have faith. me to do. Yeah. And so he's still going to provide. He's still going to bring it in. So I guess when I was grafting, as mm-hmm. you know, your European friends would say, yeah. it's in ministry, it's different because the more you climb, quote unquote, it's only a platform that God has given you to serve more people. Sure. So this idea of, well, now I'm higher up, I should think more highly of myself is completely backwards. And so it's been a struggle. You know, part of me as a young guy says, I'm healthy, I'm strong, my brain functions like perfectly. I'm going to go do this. You know, I'm going to go do whatever. I'm going to be super driven. I'm going to go create a certain lifestyle. And the other part of me goes, well, the only reason that I'm driven, the only reason that my brain works, that I'm healthy, that I have this, it was all given to me as a gift in the first place. So what kind of room for arrogance is there in any capacity? The ego is not your amigo. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's great. That's great. And very, very tweetable. Very tweetable. Very tweetable. Um, Maybe I should start a live tweeting function for all of the great quotes. You've had a few today that that have been great. I would love to be able to have that at some point. Where well, the good thing about Twitter is you can just, it's like uh, legal plagiarism, right? <laughs> so the thing is, like, you know, part of the Bible that I just read that thing is just kind of funny is it says there's nothing new under the sun. Sure. So there's something brand new that everybody freaks out about. And then right. you trace back in history, you find it it's existed at some point. So that's kind of how it is with Twitter. Well, Somebody if you look at hieroglyphics said, in Egypt, I yeah. mean, people were writing immediately yeah. how they felt, and we're looking at it now. We're, <laughs> we're do, like, I'm the know. only person that's ever felt this way, and it's been recorded in history 5,000 times. There you go. And you, Cycle, you know, with, The cycle, the life cycle, it's everything yeah, cyclical. Yeah. With Twitter, you can just say something that somebody else said, and they'll give you credit for it. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> All of a sudden, I've got, got yeah, a quote. Everything that I have to say that's worth anything has you been know, said Picasso by You know, Picasso has else. a great quote that I kind of live my life by, okay. in a sense. He was uh, a P- weird guy, by the way. Picasso was a... But who uh, in this world is not weird Yeah, I guess that's degree, right. I guess, right? I mean, what We're is all weird. Yeah. I'm definitely a weird, quirky cat. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of insecurities about that my right. entire life. Right. But I'm getting to a point now where I'm comfortable with it. However, Picasso, good artist create great artists steal 
Yeah. Um, oh man. Wow. You know what I mean? So I think what he understands is you gotta, just like I said earlier, you gotta eat the fish and leave the bones. Right. See what you like, put your own twist to it. So you're grafting, you're building, you're growing. Yeah. Uh, and, and I can think back to so many people in my life who I like to call them bumpers in yeah. the road. You know, uh-huh. I'm the bowling ball going down the lane and there, I've met people who have come into my life and they've been the bumper right. to get me to the pins that I'm now in right now because I don't know what's going on in the future. I can only yeah. speak for the present moment sitting in front of you wearing yep. a U.S. national team jersey. Um, <laughs> who have been some individuals in your life who you can give credit to that have redirected you in a positive manner and maybe a negative? Um, The first one that comes to my mind, I had a teacher when I was in high school. Okay. And he was a, um, he's a good friend now. Okay. Um, He was a young teacher at the time who was coaching the the freshman basketball team. So ended up playing basketball on his basketball team to stay in shape outside of soccer season. He taught a class that I was in, and the transition, the on-ramp into high school for me was really weird and really tough, and that's kind of the season where I started, um, I like laid the groundwork for some bad habits that I've had to just continually just go back in and pull out and and just fix. And so in that season, he pulled me aside, I'll never forget, he pulled me aside one morning, and I had, you know, I smelled like weed and cigarettes that I've been smoking on the way to school in the morning just because, do what? Wow. Oh, yeah, I thought you said why. I was no, like, no, 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 because I was an idiot. And, <laughs> um, and, and I remember him, him pulling me aside, and he said, hey, you're too gifted. You're, you're too, you got too much in front of you to, for me to sit and let you just throw it away. So, and he actually invited me to church that next Sunday, but he said I had to come with him. Okay. And so I went with him, and I, th- you know, I thought it was weird, and I thought it was kind of, and he asked me to like start serving and helping out and doing stuff. But I, I remember it hit me big time because I thought, why does this guy care about me? Just let me like let me just go and throw it away and do whatever I want right now. Right. And if I come back around to it, good. But he was certainly like a massive bumper at a very very important time. Good. Yeah. Good. And anyone maybe uh, on the flip side, mm. uh, an occurrence that was a negative. Someone who said something to you that motivated you immediately. Yeah. Um, and if not, that's great. Sure. Uh, and maybe another positive, but anyone else that you could accredit to that it was a bumper, maybe recently, who you're thinking about where you go next and, right. and they've, they've impacted you right. and bumpered you into a new direction? It's hard for me to attribute any of my um, bad trajectory in life to anybody else because that puts the responsibility on somebody else. Sure. And I don't want to do that. Mm. I, I'm very okay with giving somebody else credit. Yeah. For when I've made a good decision. But when I made a bad decision, I just don't want to make the habit of blaming somebody else. I like that. And so there's certainly been people along the way that have said certain things or, or done or certain stigmas that are given, you know, because of the way you look or the way you are, the way you sound or the way you, you know, whatever that try to just assume you're going to be limited. Right. There's only a certain level of whatever you'll ever be worth. Okay. And you just, you know, you learn as you get older to just kind of laugh and be like, that person that said that. They actually think that about themselves. Sure. And that's They're why they want to project on that onto me. They're like, projecting that on me. I so instead actually, of being mad, just be like, man, my heart breaks for you. Yeah. You know what? Um, that's excellent you say that because I've been dealing with this situation that happened to me earlier this year. We had some time. I went to Vegas for yep. a buddy's bachelor party. Pretty well-known group of lads, footballers. Yep. And I had a guy there who will not name, but an individual yep. who at one point after a few drinks, a few cocktails... The guy had to go at me and from a place of toxicity. Uh-huh. He was, there was a little bit of jealousy, I yeah. feel, and I don't know. I'll right. never know. 
but he was projecting on me. And what, yeah. I, what I realized, he was projecting on me. The things that he threw at me, they were not of anything that I had given to him. It was something that he was giving to me. He was, he was projecting huh. on me. And it took me a while after I left Vegas because I'm a people pleaser. You know, it <laughs> yeah. took me a while after I left there to understand that, hey, that, he's saying more about himself right. than he is saying about me. And I realized it took me a month or so to come to peace with the fact that that was the reality of the situation because sure. nobody, no one teaches you those coping skills. Well, hurting people hurt people. Yes. Wounded people wound people. Yeah, and, and I wish that um, it hadn't affect me as deeply oh, as yeah. it affected me, but right. it cut me. It cut me. It, yeah. And I had some, I had a lot of respect for this guy as a player and off the field. And I, and I still do. However, I recognize now that not, it, not is all that it seems to be guys that are at a higher level than what you ever made it as far right. in your career. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're happy and that they're, they're loving oh, what's man. going on inside. So, um, which is an excellent way for me to slide into my next question. Okay. Caleb, I deal on a daily basis. I'm a massive competitor. Yeah. It is uh, something that tell. has been an excellent driver in my life and has been right. so positive. I, it, it, it turns me into Superman. But then there's this other side of me, this Clark Kent, this guy that, that's hiding behind the, the glasses right. uh, that's, that's soft. Um, I'm a soft guy. I'm an emotional guy. Right. Uh, and and I, love, I have a love for people. But I, I compare through that competitive nature, I compare myself to everyone at every moment. Right. And for those listeners who may do the same thing, it may have some social anxiety because mm. they, they go out, out into the world and they're wondering if people are talking about them. They're wondering sure. if they make as much money as the next man or woman. Right. It's unhealthy. Yeah. How do I grow in that area? How do we as a humanity, as a society, sure. how do we grow in that area when social media is running rampant oh, right now? And well, nothing that, that we was, see is really real. And, that, and that, that's my first answer, too, is I would be, you know, there's so many stats and, and new research that's coming out that's saying how, like, how much more common it is for the average teenager to be depressed. Sure. And then you look at social media and you realize, well, everyone's become a professional at showing people their good days. Yeah. You know, you get a great picture taken of you and it goes up on Instagram. Nobody sees the hundred that are in the phone that didn't make it because of the way the light hit your face or the way your chin looks in this, right. you know, or whatever. And so we're constantly looking at each other's highlight reels. Mm. And highlight reels. Yeah. And there's there's no really good way to one, get to know somebody based off their highlight reel, or two, assume or or I guess build the realization that that's a person. That's not just like this figure, this kind of like whatever, like that's a human. And I think that gets to your point of like your buddy who you were in Vegas with. Just because he makes money or does something that's on TV, like he's still got to go home and, and take a shower and put on underwear and get in the bed. Yeah. Like every other human sure. on the on planet, you know, on the planet. And so for me, here's what it's come down to for me. The value of something, this is something that my, my pastor has said a thousand times. The value of something is determined... Uh, by the price that somebody's willing to pay for it, right? So a picture okay. might be a scribble, an art, you know, a painting, a famous painting might be a scribble, but it's worth tens of millions of dollars because that's what somebody's willing to pay for it. Okay. So for me, being a pastor, my faith is specifically in the idea that, based off, if you use that example, that I'm an incredibly valuable human. If it's true, you know, and all my cards are pushed on the table that it now, is. Now, are you speaking in that in the context of your own value and your own self-worth, or are you speaking Both. that in the context of... Both. Okay. It, it can't just be me. 
So if I'm going to believe that, um, you know, if Jesus was willing to die, let's say, because that's, that's my faith, that's what I believe, that Jesus is willing to die for me, what a high price, what a high value, that's insane. Well, if you read the rest of the Bible, that's also true for anybody else on the planet that would sure. be willing to believe that. And so I can't, with integrity, believe that message and also treat somebody like they're not valuable. Okay. So I think you have to look at every single person is worth the exact same. Whether they make a lot of money or they come from poverty or they grew up in this neighborhood or they have this degree or they never you know, got sixth grade education, they're valuable because of who they are and the fact that they were created with value. And so right. value them, respect them. I like that. Let's go deeper, yeah. though. Okay, yeah. Let's go deeper because okay. this is a topic that I, I want to pick your brain about okay. and, and I feel I'm passionate about it and I hope the listeners <laughs> can relay that. Um, okay. So, yeah. That's creating spaces, a way for me to do that, a way for me right. to impact and a way for me to help pass along stories and learn from the stories all the same. But yeah, Caleb, that sounds good, but <laughs> that's not putting money in my bank account. That's yeah, not sure. keeping my lights on. That's not putting food on sure. my table. That's not feeding my baby. Right. Help me yeah. figure out how to deal with that when life and societal pressure is real. Sure. And pressure is real. Sure. And Money and the value in it in society is real. Right. Let's get real about it. Well, the good news is if you're listening to this in the United States, you are a product of capitalism, which means there's money out there everywhere. Sure. You can go make it. You can get four or five jobs. You can deliver pizzas. You can kill your ego enough to where you'll go and sweep a bathroom and somebody will appreciate you that, so much that they'll give you money. Sure. You know, that's what payment is. It's, yeah. I'm so thankful for the work you're doing that I'm going to compensate you for it. So there's always money to be had. I, and I don't think the, the issue is that we don't have enough money or that we don't have enough resources. I, th- I think the thing is, you got to find what you're supposed to do. Every person has to make the conscious, willful decision that they're going to discover why they were put on planet Earth. And when you do that, then there's not enough money in the world that could make you happy or there's not a little there's not too few dollars on planet earth that you know could stray you away from it and i would say probably one of the best investments you could ever make would be spending what it takes to find out why you were made ooh and let me catch you there okay spending what it takes yeah more often than not that spend value that spending value the capital that you're talking about right is time yeah, that's true. The most true. valuable resource. Well, there's always more available. money. There's not always more time. Agreed. All of us have the same amount of time. So pivoting yeah. is what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but you got to f- go inside. You got to go introspective. You got to see, oh, hey, who am I? What do I want? What do I like? It took me three years yeah. walking on the cliff of potential suicide. I, I was at that place right. for, for a little bit of time. Yeah. That's a scary place, Caleb, for oh, anyone that, that may be listening, that may understand. I, I get you. Right. I get you. But it takes work, and you mm. can't be afraid of the work, and you can't put too much weight on yourself to That's figure right. it out in one day, That's one right. second, one week, one year. I, I had somebody say to me one time, we, we significantly overestimate what we think we can do in the short term mm. and significantly underestimate what we can do long term. And I think the thing, you know, Speaking for myself personally, I think it's it's less about working really hard for a week and more about working really hard at finding the right habits I can put in my life for the next 10 years, <laughs> 20 years, Okay, because it, it's still work. You are what you repeatedly do. Oh, man, absolutely. I mean, how many successful people have told you, get the right habits, get the right friends, and you'll be successful? Yeah. And here we are 
50, 60, 100 years after that, somebody successful is telling us that, going, man, I wonder how I need to be successful. I wonder what the secret is. <laughs> well, listen, listen, we are um, comprised, and science backs it, we are comprised of millions of stem cells. Yeah. And stem cells are proven to adapt to their environment no yeah. matter where you put yeah, them. that's true. So if we are that's made true. up of all of those, then use that same understanding yeah. to help you in your life. Right. Get around people who are smarter than you. Yeah. Get around people who are more driven than you. Get around people who have the things that you have. Right. And I bet you over time you'll adapt and oh find gosh. a way. Imagine the access we have to books right now oh. and technology and information and people that are making billions of dollars. Like yeah. you can connect with them on with one click on Twitter or Instagram or something. There's no excuse for you to not be getting the most out of every day in your life because we have access that nobody else has had. People are fearful though. People will convince yeah. themselves that they're not smart enough. They're right. not attractive enough. They're not good enough with a guitar at their hand. Well, they're probably not, but why does that stop you? Why does that stop you? Why? Uh, so the, for the individuals like myself who may just be pivoting, yeah. Uh, and I say pivoting in the sense of I've found my treasure, the alchemist, right. Paolo Coelho. I found the direction, the treasure in my mind, and I'm, I'm on a search to figure out how to expand that treasure in my gift. So what would you tell to the individuals listening and, and people like myself who may be on the brink of maybe in a job they don't like and mm. they, they know they need to do this work or they've just started right. their path and maybe it's not making them any sort of income right. that uh, can sustain their lifestyle, right. but m- maybe it's something that they love so much that's sure. a hobby that could turn into a full-time job. What's your advice for those people in search or already on the journey? Yeah, let me start with the people that are in search. Okay. I think there's a couple of questions that you can ask yourself that are very helpful to finding out your purpose. Okay. First off, what breaks your heart? Like when you think about it, when you're by yourself, when you are got your head on your pillow at night, like what really breaks your heart? Um, second question is, what makes you mad? Like in a righteous, like righteously indignant kind of way, like what about the world just just frustrates you? Mm. You know, it can be as simple as like, I just, I hate when a customer goes in and spends his money on a cheeseburger and gets bad service. That just makes me so mad. Yeah. Well, so then you open up a chain of restaurants that give incredible customer service. Or it could be as deep as, you know, I hate the fact that there are people out there in the world that are, that there's injustice, that they're they're treating people poorly. And that they're getting away with it. So maybe you go into the military. Maybe there's there's a there's some kind of action you need to take. You know, I don't know what 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 it is. Uh, what breaks your heart? What makes you mad? Righteously in a good way. Like what? I think you ask those two questions and at least get your feet going in the right direction toward finding out your purpose. You know what? I just had an epiphany while you were saying okay. that. I didn't even realize. Wow, I didn't even realize that I hated people being negative and judging me <laughs> my entire life so much. That that is the real driver yeah. behind what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's why I just had this epiphany. That's why Vegas struck me for as long as it struck me hmm. is because people throwing flames at each other because right. they don't understand themselves or each other. Right. So creating space comes from something that I didn't even realize to this extent made me so furious. And yeah. I wanted to try to package positivity and help people understand we are the same. Right. We're all going through things like these. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's probably uh, why it'll be super successful too. Uh, well, who knows? And, mm-hmm. and success is measured in, in many, many ways. Right. But if, if someone were to come to me right now with a gun to my head and they were to end me right now, I would tell you that I have loved every second of yeah. the journey and finding what I'm doing. And I, I'm so passionate about this. 
doesn't matter. So for the individuals, yeah. gr- what a great, valuable piece of advice. Yeah. Tell me this. Let, let's keep it moving. Yeah, you um, s- the people who have who just started, started yeah. just started, and there's no direct right. deposit into the bank account, and, and they're putting this time and their value sure. and their resources, and they have the fear that's coming in, and people are telling them that, hey, this is not making money. It doesn't oh, make man. sense. Do you know How the, do you do deal you, with that? Do you know the story of Colonel Sanders? Like I do the, not know the, the story. Guy? Okay, everybody listening to this, you need to go uh, Google or whatever. Find the website. It's either like KFC.com or ColonelSanders.com. On the website, they've created an entire website built in an animated way toward telling the story of this guy. Okay. And it's super interesting, and I won't go into all the details, but basically after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of failed attempts at being an entrepreneur and doing business and killing somebody and all kind of crazy things, he ends up making the world's most popular fried chicken. Mm. In his like 70s or 80s, I can't remember exactly when it is, but when he's just super old. Yeah. But I think the only thing you take away from that is he just never quit. And it shifted over time, what he was doing, you know, how he was going about his bit. It always, it always shifted. But why he was doing it never shifted. He knew deep down in his heart and like, and I feel like a lot of us have this, I'm supposed to be successful. And like you said, it can be measured in a zillion different ways. I'm not saying everybody's supposed to be rich or everybody's right. supposed to have a house on a hill with a big pool and all that stuff. But all of us should accomplish something in life. And I think the biggest secret is just don't ever quit. Like if you, if you keep going, eventually you're going to win something. Yeah. If you quit, though, you're just you're tapping out. Yeah. You know, it's like the Navy SEALs training. They have the bell you can ring at Bud's training and you... If you li- literally, if you just don't quit, you become a seal. Sure. But the only option that you have, I mean, you can fail a thousand times and you're, they'll pick you back up and make you have to do it all over again. Right. It's like the most gruesome stuff in the world from what I hear. But if you don't quit, like you get to become a seal. And I think that's... You reach the pinnacle. Yeah. Whether you're 100 is. meters or 5,000 meters away from the end or the goal, the only difference is your point of view. Yeah. So if you keep your head down and you keep going, right, you get closer. Well, and the you know what's the old saying too? Like whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. You're right, and you're that, that's what the scary. Right. You know, that's what like the scariest thing is about it is we are infinitely more capable and powerful than we want to give ourselves credit for, but at the same time. We're infinitely susceptible to our surroundings and our yeah. culture. There's it's such a it's such a tension, right? But so we're always having to shift and change and find a new space and pivot, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. But don't ever quit. Don't give up. Yeah, don't give up. Don't give up. Adapt. Yeah, adapt. Maybe you're going with something and you have this rigid idea of it, and maybe it right. just needs to be polished a little bit. And maybe oh, you need man. to take your sanding paper out and <laughs> sand it, it a little yeah. bit. Take some of the edge off it yeah. and adapt it to where it needs to go. As we continue to adapt this conversation in the direction, it's evolving so incredibly. I want to talk a little bit about, because religion has has a sort of bad connotation to it, right? And a lot of people, including myself, stay away from that context. I I am a believer in in a divine God. Okay, I I am a believer. However, um, I stay away from the context of, of religion for my own reasons. Tell me how you, as the leader of, of a religious group, how you feel about individuals. Hey, hey, Caleb, like myself, I believe, man, but I, I don't believe and I don't feel it's necessary to come worship 
uh, and do and connect with God at your church or at any church. Right. I can do that walking down the street. I can do that listening to a song. I can develop my own personal relationship, and I'm just fine. Sure. How, how, what, what do you say to those people? Well, I think, you know, healthy skepticism. Everybody should be healthily skeptical of things. I mean, there's some dangerous stuff out there. And I think a blind belief in, in what, I think if you go to church, even if it's the best church with the best pastor ever, and you take every word that he says, like it's a hundred percent perfect truth and you just never doubt it, that's not good for you. It's not healthy. I think there has to be some skepticism. I would also say specifically with Christianity at the core of the message of Christianity, it's very unlike a religion. Now, we've turned it into a very systematic religion. Is that because they wanted to monetize the message? Um, I don't think in the heart of it, no. I think like anything in any sect of the world, you have good people and bad people involved in it. And if you were to t- okay, for instance, so you know there's like the sketchy situation going on right now with this guy who um, is charging like thousands of dollars for this medicine. And so they're calling, you know, it's all the, sure. the things go. Well. Is it bad to be a pharmaceutical salesman because this one guy is just crazy and a bad person and is wanting to take advantage of these people? Right. Well, heck no. Medicine is awesome. It's helpful in, in a lot of ways. So I think if you judge Christianity based off of, or any, any religion for that matter, if you judge it based off of its dark spots, of course it's just going to have a negative context. Sure. Um, I would also say that you're right. You don't have to go to church to connect with God. I think we've misconstrued that. The purpose of church is not to connect with God. I think the purpose of church, specifically, you know, for Christianity, for Christians, the purpose of church is to connect with other believers. Okay. To to have people that are in different walks of life, but the the same common belief. Okay. And how we can encourage each other. How we can, what can I do to serve you? How can I exemplify uh, the beliefs that I'm claiming to believe by showing up and holding the door for you on a Sunday morning or serving you by watching your kid while you go in and, and hear teaching or sing songs or whatever. So it's another way of education and application. Yeah, that's it. That's education it. and application. Yeah, and so, that's why that's why you, your church can be there's you can be on one side of the street at a church that's completely different from the other side because the people in there are completely different. Right. You know. And I right. think that's that's healthy. I think it's I, really beautiful, actually. Yeah, and, and and what a bland place this world would be if everyone believed the same thing yeah. and, and said the same words. Um, having lived in Vancouver, I was blessed enough to be walking around individuals that believed uh, so many vast, various ways of belief. Uh, you know, I I met a girl who fully believed in, in astral projection and that she could leave her body. Uh, and have a spiritual flying experience outside of her body and her manifestation of her soul. And I did some studying after it, and it's really intriguing. It's these alternate realities, these alternate versions that could be as true as anything else we believe. You really cannot look at anyone in a different manner for what they choose to believe because we all go through experiences that push us in that direction. We're all the same. We're all the same. So I love where you have gotten to in this point in your life, sitting across from you with the amount of wisdom that you have at 26, 25, 25 years old is extremely impressive. I I have to salute you for how you have accepted the journey that has been yours of figuring out at a young age that, Hey, this is what I'm meant to do. And I don't need, you went against society. Um, and you said, I've got a pool here and I don't know, but I'm going to trust it. 
And I think that's the message outside of all of the other messages, the great messages that you've given today. The message is trust what you feel in your heart you should be doing and go with it. Yeah. You know, I think part of the nobody is successful by himself. Mm. Every single one of us, if we have any, if there's any value to our life, there's any virtue, if there's any bit of success, we have people along the way to thank. And for me, I've been so fortunate, so blessed to have some of the most incredible leaders, mentors, teachers, and even in some ways, you know, heavily authoritative figures in in healthy seasons where I needed somebody to really, really make sure that I I feel, you know, it's hard for me to, to say that I've really played much a part in this. I mean, yes, I have, there's books all over my house. I read, I try to read all the time. I'm always listening to a podcast or listening to a, a an audio book or watching something on, you know, I'm always trying to learn and soak it up in there. But there's, I mean, there's just so many people to say thank you to. I love that. You know, and I, I, hopefully, hopefully one day somebody will be sitting around doing a podcast saying thanks to me. And saying thanks to you because of the work you did and the, and the impact you had. Well, I hope uh, Creating Space makes airways into your ears. And, and yeah. maybe there's something that we that you can take from some of the list, or the guests that we have on the show. Sure. Um, because I think we all have a message for each other. I was sitting beside my father last night. And he's great said, you know guy, what? by the way. Uh, yeah, Wes's Aaron. dad, if you don't know him, is a great guy. Stud. The older I've gotten, the more I've realized that. We're so similar yeah. that we butt heads all the time. Yeah. But my old man is... My old man is Superman to me. And I was sitting with him last night. Um, and he actually looks like Superman too, just so he we're clear. Does. Like he's, he, does. he actually looks like him. He does. Um, I was sitting with my dad and he said, he looked at me and this was, a, this was an impactful moment for me. And I thought about it the entire drive up here. He looked at me and he said, you know what? I heard on your podcast, you say, don't get caught with the ball. When the ball gets passed to you, keep the ball moving. Mm. Don't hold on for it too long. Yeah. And he said, you know, I've been thinking about when I, when I should retire when I should walk away 35, 36 years in in education in South Carolina. And he's like, I think I'm holding on to the ball too long. Uh. And that that moment that you said that, that really struck a chord with me. And for me to be able to hear that from my father, I can't remember too many times in my life where my dad was like, hey, man, that was a great play. You know, you, you made a great overlap and you played a great ball in and right. a couple great game. Good job. But there right. wasn't a single moment that he said, ah, I felt like that really resonated with me. Yeah. And he said that to me last night. That's and a it, big deal, man. And that was a big deal to me. That yeah. was a big deal to me because it was an affirmation that the universe was giving me that, hey, what you're doing is impacting people and it's impact more individuals that you know. And you may never know that they're being impacted by it. That's great. Keep going. Is That's what great. He told me. Keep going. So I, I want to salute you, Caleb. I want you to keep going. Um, yeah. I'm going to come down to Rock Hill and I'm going to be in attendance. And yeah. I, I'd like to know when you're actually giving a sure. sermon or, or whatnot. I'd like to come and watch you in your craft, see what you do, see the manifestation of your journey and sure. the way that you impact lives. I think seeing that would be a full circle moment for me, just seeing your evolution. I think that's cool. Yeah. Thank you for welcoming me into your home with your beautiful wife and your beautiful baby boy who's yeah, six weeks? Uh, he's eight weeks today. Eight weeks. I'm yeah. almost there. Eight yeah. weeks old. Great number, by the way, number eight. Beautiful. Your wife is a beautiful soul as well. Yeah. Thank you for welcoming me in. The last little bit I like to do. Sure. little lightning round. Okay. If you could do it all over again, what would you do? Oh, man. Um, what would you try? It's so hard to regret because, you know, wisdom comes from bad decisions and learning from those bad decisions. 
And so I'm so thankful that specifically for me, my belief is that God gave me enough of a leash to allow me to make some decisions that were going to really give me an opportunity to learn. I don't think I'd do anything differently. Well, that's, I mean, that's I, great. And I mean, ask me again, we'll do another episode in 10 years and sure. I'll see if I was full of crap or not. You know? <laughs> um, but, you know, looking at where I am now, if you told 15 year old me that he'd be in, in 10 years, he'd be 25. He'd have a wife that he was absolutely crazy about, a kid that, you know, that God would allow him to be a dad, that he'd have a career, a calling that he was incredibly thrilled to be in. You'd think you're crazy. Sure. And I, I never planned this out for myself. I never like sat down and drew this life up on a whiteboard. So it's hard to say I'd do anything differently. I'm just so thankful for all the people and specifically, you know, I think for God for kind of for guiding me and giving me some great action steps along the way and some and some great people to connect with along the way. I don't think I'd change anything. Love that. Caleb, I appreciate it. Salute to you and I wish you, your family, nothing but the best, but you're not gonna get away from me too long, man. We're uh we've got a little bit of a mindset group going yeah. and and we're gonna be using each other to continue to pursue the best versions of ourselves. If you've loved Caleb as much as I have, please learn a little bit more about Caleb. You can follow Caleb, where can they find you? So I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on Snapchat. It's just my name, Caleb Carl White. Caleb with a K. Caleb with a K. Carl Carl with with a a C. With a C. And then white, like the color. Got it. Check him out. He's got a lot of positivity that he's throwing out there, and the message, obviously is one of divinity and one of a relay of something bigger than himself. And that's big time. So next week we are uh, right back at you creating space coming live. See you guys.